0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm going to sit down. I'm not as young as I used to be, so I hope that's all right. (laughs) got a nice high chair so you can still see me on the live stream. Hello, everyone. Hello on the uh, live stream as well. I'm Nathaniel, one of the leaders here. If you uh, haven't had a chance to see me in person before, uh, perhaps you've seen me on a screen. I am 3D, as you can tell, (laughs) so that's good. Um, Now, we're uh, continuing in our Why Bother series. Uh, today, and uh, I'm going to be talking on why bother to commit. As a quick roundup, though, we've been looking at some of the foundational elements of what we believe. Things like, why bother to belong? Why bother to serve? Why bother to worship? And today's subject is commitment. And actually, I just want to start by taking a minute just to think about what we mean by commitment And think about some of the ways in which commitment is used as a word in everyday life. I think one of the the easiest ways to understand commitment is as it relates to marriage. It was great a few weeks ago to celebrate Terry and Viv getting married, wasn't it? That was cool. And uh, in just over a week, we've got another wedding. Toby and Ellie are going to get married uh, over at 502. So we've got more reasons to celebrate commitment. Our wedding ceremonies actually state this relationship is to be exclusive to them alone and is to be permanent such is the nature of Christ's relationship with his church, and such is the nature of Christian marriage. We ask husbands and wives to commit until death do us part or until Jesus comes again. That's commitment, isn't it, right? That's, that's what we're talking about, commitment. Another way you might have thought about commitment is as it relates to kind of a mortgage or rent. Actually, you have to commit to that payment every month, and if you fail in that commitment, it won't be long before you fall into trouble. You need to commit to those things, Right? And the other way that I've heard it talked about quite a lot is as it relates to diet or exercise. As we get towards New Year and resolutions, lots of people will commit to those New Year's resolutions, a 5K in under 30 minutes or uh, committing to losing a stone or whatever it is. Uh, There's actually a quote, a really famous quote by uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who's uh, one of the presidents of uh, the US a long time ago. He actually said this in 1910. He said, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain and difficulty. I've never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who've led difficult lives and led them well. A bit of wisdom from 130 years ago, whenever that was. Commitment, then, it takes work, and it takes effort, and it takes time. It's often said that it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill, to become a master at it. If you want to learn something new, you need to commit. And commitment's actually something that I think, perhaps in modern society, has been a little bit lost. Nowadays, we've got endless options as it relates to entertainment or fast food and even relationships. They can be at the other end of an app, swiping left and swiping right to get what you want when you want it. Last year, I had my own commitment paralysis. I had to get a new phone contract, and I could not find a phone contract for less than two years. Imagine my paralysis sat there trying to commit to something for the next two years of my life. What if the technology upgrades? What if I change my mind? What if I lose my job and can't afford it? I was stuck. Now, of course, some of these examples of ways that we struggle to commit, uh, they're not wrong in themselves. My phone, actually, as it happens, is fine, very functional. In the grand scheme of things, it all worked out. But they do speak of a culture that thinks perhaps a little bit less about commitment. And here's one that really does make me sad. By 2019 statistics, 42% of marriages in the UK ended in divorce. Sad, isn't it? There was actually a report in the BBC this week about the Citizens Advice uh, Bureau, Citizens Advice. And it said that they have seen a 25% increase in people looking at the divorce page on their website since lockdown started. Actually, even in this coronavirus season, there is something about commitment that is just difficult. And lockdown has been difficult for so many people. And that's sad, isn't it? And in that sense, one way that we could describe our culture is quite individualistic. It's a culture where gratification can come quite quickly and choices seem endless. And in that sense, personal gratification becomes the goal. We're told that we should live our best lives and look after number one and pursue happiness. There's nothing wrong with being happy or wanting a good life, but it speaks of individualism. The what's-in-it-for-me nature of life has become something of a mantra. Why should I do this? What's in it for me? How am I going to benefit? Of course, it actually isn't particularly new. Frank Sinatra has been singing it at us for decades. It's normally about this time in a preach that I get us to sing it together, but obviously we can't. Luckily, if you're at home, you can sing along with me. I did it my way. There you go. As Christians and at Gateway Church, we call people to commit. And we do it all the time. Commit to Jesus, commit to each other, commit to church. And we don't do it because we like knowing who's about or We like knowing how much money we're going to have coming in each month. We do it because we believe it's a biblical discipline and a Christian requirement, commitment. And to draw this out today, we're going to be sitting in Luke 9. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to turn to Luke 9, that's where we're going to be, starting in verse 18. I'm going to read it to you, and it's going to come up on the screen for us as well. Verses 18 to 27 then. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. What about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to draw out three points from our passage in Luke here that help us to think about commitment and the way that we as Christians are called to commit. And the first one is commit to your faith. Commit to your faith. If you're a Christian here, then you need to understand that Jesus committed to us. Personally, he committed to you and me to the point of death. He was nailed to a cross with nails piercing his skin and left hanging in anguish until he died. And he knew it needed to be done to pay for sin, to remove the barrier between us and God. And he did it willingly, committing to God's rescue plan for the world to the point of death. In our text in Luke today, Jesus is talking to the disciples And he turns to Peter to ask who he is. And he says, well, you're God's Messiah, you're Jesus Christ. Then he outlines God's plan in advance. He needed to suffer. He needed to be rejected, removed. He needs to be killed and raised back to life. And if you're a Christian here with us today or watching at home, then I pray that you never lose the significance of what this means for you. You personally have been bought by the blood of Jesus. An eternity-altering sacrifice has been made for you. And it's not because of anything that I've done or anything that you've done. We've done nothing to deserve it. But it's all because of love. All the things we've done wrong, removed and replaced with righteousness. So as you go about your day, today, tomorrow, this week coming, you can do it in the knowledge that there was someone who walked this earth, who loved and loves you so much, so much, He was willing to give his life for you. That it might mean relationship with you forever. And in return for this life-altering sacrifice, what does Jesus want from us? Back to Luke 9, in verse 23, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world And loses or forfeits himself. Jesus wants us, all of us. Commitment. Take up your cross and follow me. Becoming a Christian isn't like a mobile phone contract. It's not an incidental signature on a bit of paper, hedging your bets just to make sure you get into heaven. If you want to be a Christian, then it's gonna demand your whole life. These words, by the way, wouldn't have been lost on the disciples who were who were listening. They would have known only too well what the cross signified. Crucifixion was one of the most brutal and torturous forms of punishment. And many had died by this method. Actually, many had died by this method because of their belief. And we can read this in 2020 and see it as picture language, like a metaphor. Oh, yeah, I get it. I'm supposed to follow Jesus. But actually, if you were listening to it in that context, you'd have taken a big gulp because that meant a lot. They would have known the harsh reality of those words. Now, at this point, and especially if you're sat here or you're watching at home and you're not a Christian, you might be listening to this and thinking, why bother? It doesn't sound like very much of a trade, at least with the mobile phone contract, I get a mobile. Like, what, what's in it for me here? Where, where, where's the deal? So why do we bother? You see, for us, Christianity isn't somewhere to go on a Sunday. It's not a club to give us something to do. It's our identity. And as Christians, that we, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He died for us, and that belief means everything to us. It means that we're part of God's family. As Matt said a few weeks ago when he talked about belonging, being a Christian means that we've gone from being orphans to being sons and daughters in God's family with the full family rights that go with it. It means that we've got a father in heaven who loves relationship with us someone we can pray to and talk to and seek wisdom from and seek comfort from. And it means getting to enjoy that relationship forever. Eternity in heaven to worship and enjoy and love. In that sense, we are not individuals, we are family members. Being a Christian isn't something we have to suffer through to get to heaven. An old church leader of mine used to say this phrase all the time. It isn't just pie in the sky when you die. It's also steak on the plate while you wait. It's cheesy, I know. But the point is that relationship with God is something to enjoy now as well. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. Here's our warning in this, though, by the way. And our passage in Luke 9 is clear on it. You've got the most precious gift a gift of love and a gift of life and a gift of eternity and a gift of relationship. And now is the time to act like it. Commit to your faith, commit to Jesus and live your life as he instructed. Take up your cross daily and follow him. I hope I've shown you here that the Bible's clear on this one. Christianity and faith in Jesus isn't a tick box exercise or a signature on a bit of paper. It's not something you can say on a Sunday and forget on a Monday. It's everything. It's who you are, and it's who I am, and it requires us to be all in, all in. In the same way that the marriage vows we say are, till death do us part, or until Jesus comes again, Jesus' commitment to us is permanent and eternal, and our response needs to match. When Jesus died for you and me, he didn't do it for a bit of time, or he didn't do it so that we'd have somewhere to go on a Sunday. He did it because he wants us, all of us, committed to him. And that's one way that I think that this coronavirus season has actually been quite helpful, because most of us have found that we've got a little bit more time. We've not had to go out. We've not had to commute or travel or take the kids somewhere. And that's time that, for many, has been a good time to be able to sow into relationship and so into what matters most, and that's your faith to Jesus and to getting close to the one who gave everything so that you can have relationship. And that's a relationship that's worth investing your time in. And there's my challenge to you in this first point. Commit to your faith. Actively participate in your personal relationship with Jesus. Commit to prayer. Commit to reading God's word. Commit to that community Bible group that you're in that goes through the readings every single day. Commit to quiet times. We don't do these things out of a sense of legalism. There shouldn't be any guilt in them, but if you want to enter fully into your relationship with the King of Kings, then it requires work. You're going to have to put some effort in. And these things help us to engage, to commit to our faith. So I want to urge you, urge all of us, carve out some time this week to participate in your relationship with Jesus because it's worth investing in. So that's point one, commit to your faith. Point two then is commit to one another, commit to one another. The next commitment for us as Christians is to one another. And it's also something that speaks directly into our current situation, coronavirus and the rule of six and all of the past and present and future lockdown measures that are in place for us. Actually, one thing that they've helped to do is they've helped to separate us from one another. And I get that. There's a reason for that. They don't want viruses to spread, and that means separation. But actually, that physical separation has also created, for some, a bit of an emotional separation, a bit of a, a separation from, from community, from being together. We're now being warned about mental health epidemics. You actually only have to go and onto your favourite news site to be warned that actually mental health services are uh, inundated with requests. People are struggling, largely because they're lonely. They're out of community. They can't connect to people the same way that they used to. And it's something that as a church we want to fight to protect. Christianity is not just a personal faith. Remember, Christians aren't individuals, we're family members. Our mantra isn't Sinatra's. It's not about my way. It's Jesus's. Follow me. And families are there for one another. Remember, at the beginning we looks at some of the problems that we might face as a society, this what's-in-it-for-me culture that seems to have developed and their individualism that now seems to be quite prevalent. Well, the answer is found in the gospel. If you're a Christian, you belong to something much bigger than yourself, much bigger than your personal circumstances. You're not an individual. You're a family member. You belong to the family. Jesus' words in Luke 9, to take up our cross and follow him daily, is an invitation for us to participate with Jesus in the life that he has for us. Now, individuals don't follow anyone. By their very nature, they are individuals. We're called to family commitment and to follow the one who makes all of that possible. The problem with being an individual and the problem with doing things your own way is that it often speaks of a heart that isn't willing to count the cost. We all want the benefits without any of the work. In that sense, we might want the benefits of being a Christian, the relationship of being around other Christians on a Sunday morning or having something to do on a Wednesday night when we all sign up for life group. Eternity also sounds great, let's face it, right? We all want to be in heaven. But do I really have to give up my Sunday morning every week? Why does that person have to be in the family as well? Doesn't God know how annoying I find them? I haven't got the energy for it. We want things our way and God's way. And Jesus' words here are clear. Verse 24, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Being a Christian means giving up on individualism because ultimately it leads to death. What we gain through Jesus is so much more. We're family members, members of the family of God. We're together with Jesus, with the full rights that comes from being in God's family. That phrase, take up your cross daily and follow me, it means that your life isn't your own anymore. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus and given a new identity in his family. And with that change of identity identity needs to come a change of mindset. This is the family of God and it's a family that you want to be a part of. It's one of the things that I've actually been most proud of seeing during lockdown and since. And something that Matt alluded to when he was preaching about serving and what I commit to serve last week. It's been so good to see examples of people loving one another, meal rotors for people who are sick and people who have had children, shopping for those who are shielding, taking time to pick up the phones and make sure someone's okay. It's been so heartening to see this community come together in this season, actually a season where it's so tempting to shut the door and hide yourself away and be, be fearful. I'm so proud that we as a church have been running towards one another. I even had somebody post me a book during lockdown because they thought it might help me. I love being part of God's family, and it's about doing it together. And it's for us today and going forward, it's our job to show our faith to those in our family and those outside as well. I want to ask you, in what ways are you working to serve and bless the people around you? How many people have you picked the phone up to this week? There's no better witness than when people see us selflessly giving to others. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We've had our change of mindset. We are not individuals anymore. We're family members, and family members participate in family life. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Give up on individualism. Now's the time. We're family members. That's who you are. Commit to one another, because that's the example that Jesus sets for us. So thirdly then, and finally, commit to church. Commit to your faith, commit to one another, commit to church. Now, I would say that, wouldn't I? I mean, I'm one of the leaders here. I'm supposed to say that. You've got to commit to church, right? That's the thing that you'd expect me to say. But actually, I mean it. At Gateway Church, we want you to come and join in and become a member and belong and commit and serve and work and share in the gospel of Jesus with us. There's no better way to express your commitment to the family of God than through the expression of the local church because it's God's plan A for the world. It's the bride of Christ, the one that Jesus will return for. We actively believe in church membership here at Gateway. It's a way of committing to God's family and sharing a common goal for the local area. It's also a commitment to one another. It's saying that you're with us and that we're with you. And it's always good to know who's in your family. We're not individuals, we're family members, so come commit here with us. Being a member means being part of a family, a team. means getting involved and rolling your sleeves up and serving and helping and being present. Yeah. This is another one that we need to keep fighting for as a church. And actually, Matt alluded to, to it earlier. We, we don't know next week whether we'll be able to meet physically like this. We don't know whether there's going to be more restrictions in place for faith groups to be able to meet or not meet, or whether there's going to be restrictions on numbers or not, or if it's not this week or this month, maybe it's next month or next year. Actually, we're in so many ways going to be um, uh, not, not making that decision for ourselves at the moment, and that's tough. But one thing that we can say is, wherever possible, we're going to commit to being together because we're supposed to be together. So where the decision is in our hand, that's what we're going to do. We're going to meet together. We're going to get you together. We're going to encourage you to be together because that's what we're supposed to be. Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 say, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that's what being part of a church family is. It means being present together meeting together, encouraging one another, stirring one another up. Now, please don't mishear me. I've been so blessed by the online services we've had over the last season and the ability to be able to engage uh, even remotely from my sofa. But I'll tell you, it's so much better seeing people in real life. So please do keep, in, keep coming. We want to encourage you to be with us together. I also wonder, have you ever met a Christian? I certainly have met a couple of people in my time who say that they don't need church. They're fine as they are. Actually, my faith is my own, and I'll do it my own way. You know, I've, I'm fine with that. It's a sad reality, but honestly, the people that I've met that I've tried to go it alone don't tend to last for too long. Christians are a family, and we're meant to be together. You can't be the individual and be the Christian. Christians, by our very nature, we're family members. That's who we are, and that means we're together as family. It doesn't only mean membership, commitment to church is... An extension of committing to others. It's actively participating in worship gatherings with people in the church, committing to life groups and serving and being together. Now that we're back meeting on a Sunday, and it's so good to be back, I want to encourage you to keep at it. Don't neglect meeting together. We're not individuals, we're family members, and family comes together. And you might think, well, it seems fairly counterintuitive to the idea of personal happiness. Why should I go out when there's a risk? What if Somebody here's got coronavirus. What, you know, what, why should I serve? That's going to just take up my time. I don't, do I really want to do that? It's the last thing I want to do. It's cold outside. The kids, the dogs, the, oh, it's so much easier to be inside. The list of reasons not to are endless. But because we're members of God's family, we need to be pursuing community and friendship and togetherness as a body of believers. Encourage one another, stir one another up That's the instruction to us. We can't do that sat at home alone. We need to be together. Those life groups, even the Zoom hangouts, whatever they are, I encourage you, come along to them. Not because it makes the numbers look good. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is us as a family coming together and committing and stirring one another up and supporting and encouraging and helping one another until death do us part or Jesus comes again. That's the point. So how... There are three points for you. Commit to faith. Commit to your faith. Commit to each other and commit to church. Now, there's a couple of ways here I want to suggest that we respond as we close. If you're a Christian watching this morning or sat here, then it's time to commit. Take Jesus' word seriously. Take up your cross and follow him. That means with all of your life, not just the bits that you're happy to give over not just when things are going well and not just when you need help or when it's sunny outside or when the diary allows. Commit to a lifelong pursuit of knowing him better, of understanding his words more, of loving people and loving his church. Commit to quiet times, to serving and to attending and to being present and making friends and actively participating in your faith and in church life. When I was preparing this, I actually felt that there was some today that really needed to hear this message, because life was actually a bit double-edged at the moment. You've got your Sunday self all dressed up, I've put a shirt on this morning, look, make myself look good. Believe me, when I'm at home on the sofa by myself, this shirt doesn't come out. (laughs) Actually, you can make yourself look good on Sunday, and then live a totally different life during the week. And coronavirus, by the way, does make that easier, because we're all at home, and the doors are shut, and you can shut the curtains and be who you want to be, and it doesn't really matter, but God sees. You can be all dressed up on a Sunday, the model of perfect Christianity. And then the self behind closed doors is totally the opposite. I'll end with another passage in Luke 9, our our text for the day. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus paid it all for us, and now it's our turn to give it all in return. You can't be an individual and a family member. You can't have a foot in both camps. You can't have your Sunday self and your Monday self. Jesus gave it all for you, and in return, he wants you all in. If there's anything in your life that's not lining up to how God would have you live, today's the day to submit to him. The Christian life's not easy, but it's the best, most adventurous, most love-filled life you can live. And who wants easy anyway, right? As the words of the hymn, When I survey go, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's time to surrender your all to Jesus and to a life lived with him. And if you're not a Christian here today or watching at home, then you are most welcome. I just want to say to you, the same can be true for you today as well. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about someone who loved you so much and who loves you so much. He knows you intimately, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, and he still loves you so much that he died for you so that you could have these wrong things wiped away and so that you can join his family and find love and forgiveness. And what does he want from you in return? He just wants you. If you're ready to pray that prayer that you might belong to God's family and to live a life with him, then I'd be delighted to pray for you later. I'm sure somebody from the team here will be uh, able to, to help. If you're watching at home and you've been stirred up by this, then send us an email. We'll find a way to get, at, get in touch. We can talk to you about it more and, um, and connect with you. So let's finish in prayer, a prayer of commitment to the one who gave it all for us. Please pray with me. Let's go. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice that you made for me and that you made for these guys here, that we might live in relationship with you. And Lord, I want to pray for us that you would help us not to take that for granted. Lord, we want to be all in as you were all in for us, even to the point of death. Oh, Lord, forgive us where we haven't been all in, where we, where we haven't been all there when we should have been. Forgive us, Lord, where our mantra has sometimes been that individualistic, I did it my way, what's in it for me? Lord, we want to be all in for you. I pray, Lord, you'd be revealing that in us here, things that we need to lay down today in order to be closer to you as we move forward. And Lord, I pray that we would never lose the significance of your life-altering, eternity-altering sacrifice on the cross. May we never lose how special that is, and how that has changed everything for us, a new identity, members of God's family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.